At Fidelity, value is automatic, starting with the rate you can get on your cash when you open a new retail brokerage account. Learn more at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Why is it just so darn hard in this market to make money? After a rough day where the Dow tumbled 314 points, S&P plunged 1.56%, and the NASDAQ plummeted 1.67%. I think the problem's simple. The list of stocks that are working seems to grow smaller by the day. Isn't that what it feels like? We have fewer stocks that are safe to own and more that are downright toxic. As we saw near the end of the day, when the bears crushed the bulls in toward anti-China-fueled trading. Today felt like a vicious pro football game where the quarterback was under pressure all day and succumbed in the fourth quarter. In football, a quarterback tries to do what's called a check down, looking among his receivers for the best opportunity downfield. Sometimes wide receivers are wide open and a touchdown is in the offing. Sometimes a QB, a QB has to thread the needle to hit a receiver, a slant pattern. Other times, though, times like today, the Bears are swarming, and it's like a jailbreak as they head toward the quarterback. If he doesn't get rid of the ball in time, well, he's likely to be sacked, perhaps for a big loss or a fumble or even an interception that could result in a touchdown for the other side. We used to have all these receivers who were wide open in this market. Increasingly, they're being covered. Covered closely, no separation. Sometimes it feels like there's no one left to throw the ball to. And you're going to have to throw the ball away or perhaps just absorb the hit. Today, the Bears went helmet to helmet. And the investors got concussed into the close. Not reassuring. Could be out for many weeks. Maybe come back soon. I don't know. There's a protocol. What does that look like in stock market terms for today's trading? Okay, last night, right on the eve of the big trade talks with China. Well, we got, yes, some hopeful comments from the president. Just like you expect. Aren't you used to that? This time we got an interview where Trump said lots of positive things about what might happen if the negotiations go well. Hey, for a moment, it looked like we were going to get the green light to buy some companies. Major China exposure. I sold receivers that were wide open. For a moment, it looked like you might be able to hit the best wide receiver, get a TD. Then completely out of nowhere, the Commerce Department steps in with a list of 28 Chinese enterprises that it doesn't want American companies doing business with. According to Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, these companies are complicit in, and I quote, the brutal suppression of minorities in China. Hmm. Then this very afternoon, the White House slapped visa bans on the Chinese officials who were responsible for orchestrating these same human rights abuses. It's hard to argue with that, but the timing could have been worse, especially during was right when Fed Chief Powell was kind of doing what the president was hoping to do, talking about how he's going to protect us. No wonder the market fell apart into the close. The offensive line broke down and the QB, you, the investor, was totally gang tackled. Unless that is you listened to us when we said the talks would not go well and you shouldn't hold your breath waiting for a deal. While these particular Chinese companies that we have accused of aiding repression are not all that well known, the analysts were quick to suggest, for instance, that this move could hurt the likes of Intel and NVIDIA 
Both of these stocks have been working of late. Today, they got slammed. We know the Trump administration is eager to limit China's access to facial recognition technology that helps the Communist Party identify enemies of the state. Unfortunately, the company that's identified with that technology is none other than NVIDIA. NVIDIA's stock have been climbing relentlessly, thanks to strong demand for its graphics and data center chips. Plus, there was a widespread belief that the Chinese regulators might finally give the thumbs up for it to buy Mellanox, a terrific Israeli networking technology play. Suddenly, that seems a lot less likely. If you threw the ball to NVIDIA, you got picked off. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. The other day, the general manager of the NBA Houston Rockets it got hit by like a bout of, like, uh, of conscience. And he tweeted his support for the protesters in Hong Kong. The problem? American basketball is huge in China. They love the Rockets. But the Chinese government absolutely hates any sort of criticism, let alone support for its enemies. The reaction was swift. Oh, but it's not a democracy. The reaction was swift. Even though many team owners sided with the People's Republic for business reasons, Craven, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, expected support for free speech. Now, look, there's no way that made Beijing happy, right? I mean, a commissioner coming out and saying things that, like, you know, like Jefferson and Washington believed in. Is there really any room for that in a society of ka-ching, ka-ching? Why does this matter? Because if China feels like it's under attack from high-profile American businesses, well, they're more likely to start boycotting our biggest brands. Maybe they go after Nike or Starbucks or even Apple. These stocks have been very attractive here, but if boycotts are on the table, they suddenly got a lot less enticing. They're too dangerous for the moment to throw to. But it's not just the trade war. Let's say you decide to stay domestic to protect yourself, especially since Fed Chairman Jay Powell seemed to indicate that he favors additional types of easing. Of course, that's what happened right when the president put the kibosh. Normally, that would cut towards the retailers, right? However, if the trade talks are going to be stalled by this latest move from commerce, that means we're almost certainly getting the previously scheduled bump up in tariffs in a week. It's hard to imagine anyone wanting to buy a retail stock in the face of higher tariffs, unless maybe it's a chain big enough to offset the damage Target, Walmart, Costco. Too bad Target and Walmart rallied today while Costco is barely down. As for everyone else in the retail cohort, they don't have the scale to strong-arm their suppliers into eating the cost of those new import duties. Bad news. Healthcare? Well, you'd think it'd be immune to China, right? The strongest part of the healthcare cohort of late has been the medical device makers. But this very morning, we got this shocking negative pre-announcement from an outfit called Kiagen. It's Q-I-A-G-E-N, a diagnostic company. It tends to be pretty reliable. Shortfall was, of course, in their Chinese business. These medical device makers weren't supposed to have any economic sensitivity. Maybe uh, that's not true anymore. As for the drug stocks and the HMOs, well, they really are immune to the gyrations of the Chinese economy or ours, but that doesn't matter. doesn't matter right now. Because these companies are smack in the crosshairs of none other than Democratic leader, Senator Elizabeth Warren. What about tech companies with zero China exposure? More Warren worries. She wants to break up big tech, so the stocks get hammered whenever she makes a stump speech condemning corporate concentration. I think people overreact to this stuff. Something like Alphabet with its search, Waymo, healthcare, health uh, cloud services to YouTube. Well, it might be worth even more if we're broken up. Market disagrees with me. Well-covered receivers. How about potential bargains? The railroads have been down relentlessly, right? I mean, that seems to be a... All aboard! Wait a second. They may not bounce back at all. I mean, they got the seemingly endless strike at GM. Autos are a major cargo for the rails, and that cargo is going to be lousy this quarter. What else? Banks? Mm, right on the verge of reporting earnings. But with this yield curve, they could be dangerous. Aerospace? 
Not unless you know something about that Boeing 737 Max woes that I don't know. There's a lot of totally well-covered receivers. Frankly, it doesn't lead too many stocks that are safe to own at the moment. You can take a shot at the home builders thanks to declining mortgage rates. Kind of a Hail Mary play, if you ask me. You can buy, uh, maybe buy a consumer packaged goods company that's doing okay. However, the strong cities have a lot of business in China. Over the last 24 hours, the trade tensions have ratcheted up so much that you got to wonder if they'll even bother to hold the talks tomorrow. So if you're the quarterback, what do you do? I think you just try to protect the football right now. Don't do anything outrageous. Don't try anything fancy. And wait. Wait for a better moment when it no longer feels like China's in the balance. Or at least when next week's upcoming tariff hikes have been baked into the average. I don't think we're there yet. Bottom line, I can't fault the Commerce Department for cracking down on Chinese companies that enable some horrific human rights violations. But they did kind of pick a worst possible time to do it right before the big trade talks. So I think you need to be very careful as this market readjusts and recalibrates its expectations. You don't want to throw a pick six interception and you don't want to be sacked for a loss deep in your own territory. Let's go to Steve in Texas. Steve. Hey, Jim. How are you? I am good, Steve. How about you? Unbelievable. Nice. Jim, I've only been watching you since uh, the late Bishop Haynes uh, ordained you reverend, and I just want to thank you for being such a positive influence on investors, especially young investors. Oh, I love Um, that. That's what I want to do, and we're having tough times, but we're going to get through them together. How can I help? Well, uh, my uh, question is on uh, tandem diabetes and the rather drastic upticks in the price targets. Uh, I took up a small position several months ago, and at that time, the price targets were you know, averaging in the low 70s. Then they suddenly jumped up into the mid-80s. And even though they've eased a bit as of late, they're still above 80. So are you a believer, given the way the I am a believer. Now, remember, speculative stocks have been completely taken to the woodshed here. Uh, I think tandem diet be down $3.62. I think this is attractive. Well, we got to leave a little room. But, um, you know, clearly this market hates speculation. And tandem is a speculative stock. First gold real estate investment trust, and utilities. The market is readjusting its expectations, so you need to tread carefully and protect the football. All that money tonight. Domino's just delivered something its investors aren't used to digesting, and earnings miss. The stock took a hit early in the morning, but then it rallied. Is it a buying opportunity? I've got the CEO. And if you're a tough day for the averages, wondering what your next move should be, I'm going off the charts to find out what's next for this market. And could the breakup of another unbelievable industrial icon be coming? I'm talking to the CEO of Emerson Electric to find out options for the 129-year-old company with a fabulous dividend record. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. At Fidelity, we work to get you a better price for every trade. See how much we saved investors last year at fidelity.com slash price improvement. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. Did you see the action in the stock of Domino's Pizza today? Over the past year, this company's reported a series of, let's say, not as good as we would have hoped for quarters every day. And people have disappointed in them, and the stock's been pulverized. 
Well, thanks to the proliferation of these digital food delivery uh, platforms, Domino's facing more competition than ever. Stock's been taken to the woodshed because of that. However, today something different happened. This morning, Domino's reports a seemingly disappointing quarter. And after initially opening down 5%, the stock actually ends up roaring higher, closing up nearly 5%. I'm glad I told you to buy it when I was a squawk on the street this morning. Yet they deliver a $0.02 earnings miss off a $2.07 basis with slightly weaker than expected revenue up 4.4% year-over-year. Okay, again, their same-store sales numbers both foreign and domestic were lower than anticipated for the sixth quarter in a row. Top it off, management cut their long-term outlook. Over the next two to three years, Domino's is looking for 7 to 10% global retail sales growth, down from 8 to 12. They trimmed the U.S. same-store sales guidance by 1%, their international guidance by 2%. Yet the stock caught fire. Why? Because what I said would happen finally has happened. They've reset expectations, and the numbers were better than feared. The sell this morning looks like the kind of big washout you get when a stock finally bottoms when you get that reset. Let's take a closer look with Rich Allison. He's the CEO of Domino's Pizza. Get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Allison, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Good to be with you again. Well, Rich, I got to tell you, I was downright excited when I read your earnings call because of one thing. It is very clear that you think the days are numbered where the venture capitalists will continue to be able to support the other guys in delivery. They're going to run out of money. Do I read it right? Well, you know, Jim, uh, we do think there's some irrational pricing out there in the marketplace right now, funded by venture capital. We don't know how long that'll last, but as we look out over the next two to three years, you know, at the revised guidance that we've given, we've got a terrific business model. This, you know, this Domino's Pizza business model can can deliver terrific revenue and earnings growth over that window of time. Uh, I was shocked. Your free cash flow is magnificent. Even with the so-called revised down numbers, the free cash flow is hanging in there pretty well, isn't it? Yeah, Jim, this is a terrific cash flow model. You know, we generate over a million dollars in free cash flow a day. And we also shared on our call earlier today that we've tightened up a bit around G&A and also on CapEx as well, which is going to give an opportunity for more free cash flow to float to uh, fall to the bottom line. And ultimately, as you know, uh, we're pretty thoughtful about returning that to our shareholders over time. It seems like despite the fact that these other guys do have these delivery systems, if you have 6% growth, that means you are gaining share against the other companies. No doubt. You know, 6% retail sales growth in the U.S. is significantly faster than the growth of the pizza segment and frankly faster than the growth of the restaurant category overall. International business, when you normalize for currency, up 9.1% retail sales growth, also significantly faster than the category. So, Jim, we're gaining share, you know, in the U.S. and across the globe. A lot of companies I deal with are retrenching, going away from China. You just added 20 new uh, stores in China. you got a lot of room to grow. Why now? It's a great time for us in China uh, right now, Jim. We've spent a good bit of the last 10 years refining our business model there. We have a terrific master franchise partner. The four-wall economics are terrific, and so we're putting our foot on the accelerator to get more stores open. You use the term throughout the transcript of the Fortress Dominoes. Now, we're familiar with Fortress when it comes to J.P. Morgan. What's Fortress Domino? So Fortress for us uh, is getting our stores closer and closer to our customers. And that really helps us for both businesses that we run, uh, both the carryout business and the delivery business. For carryout, the number one criteria for our customers is being close to the store. They don't want to take a lot of their time out of their day to go pick their food up. 
So the more stores we build, the more incrementality that we get there. And then on delivery, you know, the two key elements of making that business model work are number one, you know, getting to the customer fast because that drives repeat purchase. But two, the closer we are to the customer, the lower the cost is per delivery because our drivers can deliver more uh, orders per hour. So it really, it's a, it is a, uh, a, a cycle that just gets better and better and better the closer we get to those customers. Now, you have uh, 85 million customers, 23 million loyalty people now, and I see your ad campaign for insurance. You know I have been one of your uh, 83 million, and I've been consistent. It has never come anything other than piping hot. Why do I need this insurance guarantee if people have been complaining? No, Jim, you know, when we look at the market out there today and when we talk to customers and do our research, you know, one of the things that they talk about is that, that can really ruin an experience is if that product shows up too late or if it's not hot. And we have franchisees that dedicate their lives to making sure customers get great experiences. So we featured a couple of those wonderful franchisees in our uh, commercial. And we decided to make it much easier for customers to let us know if we got something wrong. Because when you deliver millions of pizzas, as good as we are, we're going to get a few wrong. And when we do, we want to make it right for those customers. Now, uh, last thing. You did not tell people it's something that bothered me in your call. You talked and teased about menu innovation, but you gave us not even a bigger than a bread box. Is there something that we are going to love that is in your pipe? Well, I was just back in the test kitchen again on Friday tasting some fantastic product. And, you know, Jim, we don't launch any LTOs. We don't play that game in the business. So we're really thoughtful about making sure that the products that we put out there have staying power. But we've got a lot of great things in the pipeline, and I'm excited uh, that we'll be able to bring some of those out to you and our other customers in 2020. Well, I've got to tell you, because I am very anti the IPO market, I think you're dead right. There may not be the pot of the uh, gold at the end of the rainbow for some of these delivery companies. I think they run out of money before they come public. That is great news for you, but you're doing well with or without Rich Allison, CEO of Domino's. Great to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Guys, this is what it looks like when a stock has bottom. Now, we got a lousy market. I don't have to tell you that because you see it yourself. But when a stock goes up big, okay, on down numbers, what happens when the numbers turn out to be great? And money's back into the break. Well, after a hideous day, we need to take a step back try to assess things objectively, which is very hard to do when you get this kind of emotional sell-off. You don't want emotions to be dictating what you want to do. You want to be logical. And that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Rob Marino. He is a brilliant technician who happens to be my colleague at realmoney.com, where I blog, as well as being the publisher of rightviewtrading.com. Get a better read on this market because, holy cow, this guy's got a terrific track record. His chart work allowed him to call the bottom last December. How great was that? And he predicted that the stock, uh, stocks had much more room to run right in February when the S&P was already up 16% from its lows. And a lot of people were arguing that maybe it would run out of steam, but he nailed it. However, when Marino predicted more upside eight months ago, he also gave us some warnings. So I want you to take a look at this monthly chart of the uh, NASDAQ, okay? This is a logarithmic chart where each tick represents 1% uh, rather than one point, okay? Technicians like them because they're better at defining trend lines than traditional arithmetic charts. Now, in February, remember, Marino argued that we were facing a consolidating period, uh, not unlike what happened in 2011 and 2015, 
where the averages trade sideways in a fairly wide range. In both cases, the Nasdaq traded in a 21% range. Each of those periods lasted for roughly 15 months. So back in February, that meant we still had more room to run before the Nasdaq hit the ceiling because the consolidation period had only been going for, uh, on for seven months. We had eight more months to go before he expected the pattern to end. Which brings us to, the, to right now. While the Nasdaq has made new all-time highs during this period, we're now hitting that 15-month mark that we're supposed to be worried about. That's why Marino believes the period of consolidation is ending. And now he expects not a breakup, but a breakdown. That's right. This is a top call. Perfect on a day like today, huh? Not just for the Nasdaq, but for the Dow and for the entire S&P 500. So listen up, especially if you saw the action today and you're concerned. What makes Marino so pessimistic? Well, check out the S&P 500's weekly chart. I know there's a lot here, but we're going to go over it. After rebounding from its lows last December, the S&P started making a pattern of higher highs and higher lows. We love that, right? That's typically the kind of thing that, that it, it's great to see. So it was bad news when that pattern got disrupted last month when the S&P started making a lower high. Okay, so this is when we all got started to get in trouble. Uh, this reflects a complete loss of momentum. Uh, sure enough, it also coincides with a pullback in the slow stochastic oscillator. It's a tool that tells you whether the securities have gotten overbought or oversold, and that's the SSTO. Meanwhile, there's also the Bollinger Bandwidth. Okay, not the regular bids, but Bollinger Bandwidth, which measures the S&P's volatility. Uh, we talked about the Bollinger Bands before. You normally see them as two lines that represent the stock's standard deviation over the last 20 periods. The Bollinger Bandwidth shows you the percentage difference between the upper band and the lower band. Basically, this is a measure of volatility, uh, and lately the volatility has been surprisingly low. Now, see, that's a problem for Reno. Volatility tends to be cyclical. It expands, it contracts, it expands again. Right now, the S&P's Bollinger Bands have contracted to exactly where they were a year ago, right before the horrific market-wide breakdown. The weekly chart isn't too ugly, but it's standing on a precipice. You were talking about right here. Okay, this is a precipice. In other words, Marino thinks this setup has the potential to result not just in a decline, but a sharp decline. How sharp? Why don't we zoom in on the S&P 500's daily chart so you get a real sense of how we're, we're kind of in a danger zone here. When you look at the daily, you can see that the S&P... At Fidelity, online U.S. stock and ETF trades are commission-free. $0 commission for online retail Fidelity account U.S. equity and ETF trades. Sell order assessment fee in some account types and securities excluded. See Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC.